How many of you uh, children or uh, older other adults who have siblings, have you ever had uh, wrestling matches with those siblings? Have you ever wrestled with them? Yeah. Um, how many of you ever win those wrestling matches? A few of us. Uh, I have a brother, as you know, uh, four and a half years older than me, and uh, we used to have a lot of wrestling matches because I used to love to pit my strength and see where I measured up against him. And uh, uh, usually he would win. Occasionally he would uh, release me out of his grip. Uh, but the part I loved when we'd wrestle were uh, we'd have these pressure point fights, and I learned all about the most vulnerable parts on the human body. And if you'd like a tutorial, I'll uh, offer one another day. Uh, but I can show you where it really hurts to really dig in uh, different parts of the body behind the ear and other places. It was wonderful. <laughs> My brother and I, we had a, a key word when we were tired or one of us was getting beat up too badly. No? Good guess. Our word was mercy. <laughs> Because the one who was winning wanted to humiliate the one who, uh, I think, somehow uh, who was losing. But mercy was our word. And uh, usually, nine times out of ten, it was me saying mercy to my brother. And what he would do at that point, most of the time, is he would release me out of my distress. <laughs> That he was causing. Mean man. Mean man. He grew up to be a pastor, so that's a bit of the, uh, the miracle of miracles. Mercy to others. Um, you know, we uh, as a church... Uh, have long had a, a history, and rightfully so, of uh, offering and trying to extend mercy to people in need, to release them in some way out of their difficulties of a season. We, um, as a church, you have offered uh, rental assistance, food assistance, medical assistance. I wanted to share uh, one testimony, actually, from uh, Joanne Stubblefield. Joanne, I didn't seek your permission um, if you're here. Is she here? Okay, well, um, she shared this uh, with uh, a group who helped make um, uh, some of our uh, collection for the Sonoma wildfire victims. Uh, she was able to uh, get some of the gift cards and gave them to a person in need. And this was the thank you um, that this person shared. It says this, I am lost for words and cannot express how very touched I am by the generosity and compassion you, your students, and your church have given us. At the moment, my family and I are in wonderful hands. Our things are lost. Our home of more than 30 years where we raised our family. But we have gained and continue to gain love and support. Every day, little by little, we move forward. Your kindness has lifted my heart. Please share my heartfelt thank you. Mercy is a wonderful gift from God. And mercy is a wonderful gift that God calls us individually and collectively as a church to continue as He provides opportunity to extend that into the life of others. Um, we are confronted regularly with such opportunities um, to extend mercy. I mean, this past year has been quite overwhelming for many of us as we have watched one natural disaster after another uh, unfolding in front of us. Uh, that's been very difficult. The wildfires, of course, right here close to home. Uh, even opportunities when the person on the corner is asking for help or money at that point. And when we encounter opportunities, I know if you're like me, and I know you are, is that we wrestle often with feelings of guilt sometimes and wonder, am Am I giving enough or am I doing enough in this moment? And we wonder sometimes, perhaps, if uh, what uh, people are deserving, perhaps, of help and maybe the others who are not. We kind of wrestle with some of those at times. Sometimes we just get overwhelmed 
with the enormity of the task or the complexity of the issues at hand. And today we are focusing on this word mercy. And I love what Tim Keller says in his book titled Ministries of Mercy. This is what he says about our well-known passage today. You can open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, and we're going to look together at the Sermon on the Mount. But here's what Tim Keller says about this passage. He says, It is an invitation of Jesus who is seeking to humble us with the love that God requires of us so that we will be willing to receive the love that God offers to us. Jesus, through this parable, is seeking to humble us with the love that God requires of us so that we will be willing to receive the love that God offers to us. And here's what I want to do in the time that we have is, um, you know, I always take this as, an, as a given. I don't always say it, but um, you're here today, not just in any Sunday, not just to listen to a pastor or preacher's voice, but to seek out the voice of God speaking to you. And so I, I remind you in this today um, to do that, that God's voice is not a condemning voice. That's the voice of the enemy. But God's voice will come at, at times in certain areas of your life and He will affirm you and applaud you in the way that you're living your life in certain areas other times. He will come not with condemnation, but He might come with loving, gentle encouragement and a motivation to nudge you in a direction. And so I'm, we're going to end today. We're probably going to ask more questions and open up. You're going to walk out of here probably with more questions than you do answers or uh, thoughts. And that's kind of my hope is that you will go out the rest of this week and beyond and you will pursue answers to such questions about your engaging in ministries of mercy as the Lord opens opportunities for you and that you would walk uh, in His good grace through that. Is that okay? Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. The Bible says, On one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Jesus answered, love, or the man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus answered, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said this, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, Look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Let's say that last phrase of Jesus together. Go 
and do likewise. One more time. Go and do likewise. You know, I don't know about you, but there are times I have heard this either in my own reading or somebody's taught it or preached it. And there are seasons in my life where I kind of feel self-justified. And I say, you know, I'm doing this pretty well right now. There... <laughs> Right? I'm kind of like the, the teacher of the law, right? We like to kind of, it's easy for us to get into seasons where we can pat ourselves on the back and uh, be, be self-pleased. There are other times when I've felt quite uh, overwhelmed with uh, not living up to the standard that I think Jesus would have me live. And that's why I want to just kind of invite you to be listening for the Lord's stirring of your heart. Because... You know, I don't know if I ever owned one of these toys as a kid, or I know I played with one. I don't remember if it was in my bedroom or a friend's bedroom, but do you remember those things? They're they're about this tall. You'd blow them up. On the bottom, there was sand for ballast, and there were boxers. And as a kid, especially as a boy, you'd punch it in the face, and it would sway back, and it would bounce right back up. And you could punch it again. I mean, I had a lot of fun with those things uh, because I love the fact that they could come back. I think it helped me get out some of my aggression. Probably I pictured him as my brother, punching him over and over again. And, but you would punch him and he would bounce back. And, you know, sometimes we interact with scriptures of passage, uh, passages of Scripture like this. And this has been one of those for me this week where I felt God kind of gently punching me in the face. Punch me just enough so I'd sway back and I'd bounce right back up gently. But that, that's the call of the Lord as His Word is living and active in our lives and it, it invites us, God invites us to reflect on the areas of our lives that maybe aren't quite what Jesus would have them be. Not, not out of self-motivation uh, or justification or to prove ourselves to God, but to really increasingly so let every part of our life become a reflection of who Jesus is in us, a reflection of the mercy of God and His generosity. So I don't know about you, I've been kind of beat up this week in a good way. It's been good for me, and so maybe God wants to hug you today, but maybe He wants to tap you and encourage you and to motivate you so that you are shaped more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus. We have this teacher of the law who comes to Jesus. This is a man who uh, would have been an expert in the Old Testament teaching, knowing all about the worship practices of Israel, the things that God had told them to do and to be, and how to live a life pleasing to God. And he comes to test Jesus. And his question is, what do I have to do in order to inherit eternal life? Well, we know, we know especially after our October Reformation series, you might hopefully have been reinvigorated in knowing the idea that we don't do anything for our salvation with God. It is the gift God bestows on us. However, when God rescues us out of our sin and He begins to piece us back together like that banana, we have to be people who cooperate with God so that our lives begin to apply the healing and the presence of and the wonder and the love of Jesus into every aspect of our life. Here's this teacher of the law. He comes to Jesus, and that's the question. And Jesus, I love, just like He does to us, He asks a question in response. So He gets us thinking. What do you have to do? He says, how do you read the law, teacher? And He says the great commandment. Love God, and describes what that looks like, basically with your whole being. Love Him. And then love other people. Love God and love others. Jesus said, that's right, you got it. 
And then, kind of like I am sometimes. So Jesus, tell me then, who is my neighbor? He's wanting to justify his actions or his inaction or to overly limit the amount of his mercy or the direction of his generosity, right? I do that sometimes. I'm sure you don't, but I do. So I get where he's coming from. Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And in this Good Samaritan, you have a man who is going down. Uh, Jericho lay to the east of Jerusalem. So here Jericho is to the east of Jerusalem. And if he's going down, he's going down from elevation on foot, right? Have you ever been out hiking? You can tell elevation more when you're hiking than you can by car. In a car, you just push down on the accelerator. You don't hardly notice when you're in a, a hilly area. When you're on foot, don't you notice? He goes down from Jerusalem. He's actually heading east, but he's going down in elevation to Jerusalem. And that road there was not unlike certain areas of major metropolitan areas where sometimes they just weren't very safe. They aren't very safe. You know, there are certain parts of certain cities where you just don't maybe ever go, or certain parts you don't go at a certain time of the day. The road to Jericho was a very treacherous place because the curves and the nooks and crannies and the, the, uh, the, the cutouts and things were right, great places for robbers to hide. And this man is going and he gets mugged and he's beaten up and he's half dead lying on the side of the road. And, and you get this guy who's a religious person. And he's a priest. He, he's responsible for the worship practices of Israel, offering the sacrifices on behalf of the worshipers. And, of course, he's going to be the hero of the story, right? When he sees this man, I mean, he's probably been at, at work, working around the temple, and he's on his way home for the weekend, maybe. This opportunity emerges in front of him to step in and to administer mercy. And, of course, he does it. No. He passes by on the other side, and there may be a lot of reasons for that, but the point is, he doesn't act when the moment arrives. Have you ever been guilty of that? I sure have. Opportunities open up, and I choose to let them go by. I go a different direction, whatever it might be. So we know what that's like. Then a Levite. A Levite also worked. They, they helped the priest. They had some policing duties around the temple. He also was heading down the road. But the same response, he sees the man, but he goes by the other side. And then Jesus says, here comes a Samaritan, certainly a Samaritan to a Jewish ear. Samaritan wouldn't be the hero or the heroine of the story, but that's exactly what happens. And not unlike... The political strife in Israel today between often Jewish people living there and Palestinians, there, were, there was a similar uh, social construct between Jewish people and Samaritan people. They just didn't like each other. They didn't respect and honor each other. They had their own places of worship. They had their own customs. And the fact that a Jewish person would be lying there bleeding, dying in the street, and that a Samaritan person would come and be the hero and the rescuer in the story, the one who administered mercy. And you can see when Jesus asks him the question, who is it who is the neighbor? And I don't know if the man couldn't even get himself to say the word Samaritan, but you remember what his response was? The one who showed him mercy. The one who extended the mercy of God and met the need, disentangled the strife, that this man was suffering at that moment. So that, that's, those are the characters at play, and that's what is happening in the story. 
The two walk by. They're religious people. I had uh, I was talking to a man today and uh, this week. I mean, and he uh, he was sharing with me about some conversations he had had with uh, actually a, uh, someone from a Baptist church here in the county. I don't know what church or who who he's from. I was kind of afraid to ask. <laughs> But uh, he shared the story, and somehow he got onto hypocrites and things like that. And, and I knew where he was going, because I've heard it, I've lived it, I've been the hypocrite at times. And I kind of kicked back in my chair, and I said, aren't religious people the worst? <laughs> and I meant it. Because we can be so bad, we can say and talk so good, and do so much less than what we want to do and are called to do. I said, but you know, being hypocritical is not just the domain of the church. There's hypocrites everywhere. So don't let that stop you from pursuing the life Jesus is calling you into. Jesus, this man, the Samaritan describes him as having compassion. When he sees the man, he has compassion for him. And the word is used, and it's often used to describe Jesus and the way Jesus responded to different uh, incidents. We see in Jesus' life the same word used when he would have compassion for physical needs. He, when he saw the crowds who were with him after he'd been teaching and they were hungry, he had compassion over them. And so he feeds them. And when they had sickness, it describes them as, as having compassion and he would heal. He had compassion for grief. When the widow lost her son, and she was grieving. Jesus is described as having compassion for her, pity for her in that moment. He has compassion for relational tangles of life. When he would give a parable about forgiveness, it described him as having compassion toward the man before he tells the parable. You remember the story of the prodigal son? Actually, it's in, a little later in Luke. We'll get to it eventually. Uh, before Easter, I think. The the story of the son who dishonors his father basically says, I would just, I'd rather have your money than your relationship, so just give me my money, my inheritance, and just go and die for all I care. That's kind of what the son was saying to his dad. And he goes off, and the story of the prodigal son is of this loving father who continues to come out looking day after day after day for his wayward son to come home. And after all that happened, after all of the difficulty the father by that son, when he sees the son, he doesn't condemn him. He doesn't put up walls to keep him away. He, the Bible describes him as having compassion toward the son. The same word that's used of the Samaritan toward the man bleeding in the ditch after his mugging. It is a character trait of Jesus. And if you and I, if I, if I'm going to grow increasingly to be more and more like Jesus, I have to grow in compassion. I have to grow in a willingness to extend the mercy of God. Mercy is the aspect of God's nature that moves Him to relieve human suffering and misery. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, A life poured out in deeds of mercy is the inevitable sign of true faith. Last week we looked a little bit earlier in chapter 10 and we looked at the ministry of the 72 as Jesus sent them out 
And they had a ministry of deeds. There was healing and working in them, but also a ministry of word where they were describing the kingdom of God and how it's near them and inviting people into that kingdom. Those two things, ministries and deeds, uh, deeds and word, have to go together. We are spiritually poor and in need of the richness of God for our being right with Him. Remember what Tim Keller says, because I think it's so good. This parable of the Good Samaritan is Jesus seeking to humble us with the love that God requires so that we will be willing to receive the love God offers. So as we extend that into the life of others, God has been merciful to you and me. And as we have received and incorporated His mercy into our lives, we go out and we we find ways where ways come to us and we extend that mercy, not just for mercy's sake, but we do it as God opens opportunities so that we can also communicate the presence of the kingdom of God so people can know what it's like to have their whole life touched by the person and presence of Jesus. I want to leave you. I know we're running out of time. I think I might have a part two of this next week because I've got about 16 sermons I think I could preach out of this. So you're getting about three of them packed into one today. I want to leave you with three little ideas. So as you leave here today, again, I, I know we're kind of scratching the surface and there are a lot of areas we haven't touched on, a lot of questions that probably are emerging in your mind. But again, I want to encourage you, as always, go out and let the Lord speak to you. Take your questions and go to the Scripture. Go to a friend. Go to your small group this week or to your Bible study next week and ask some of these questions. Seek out the Scripture together. I'm going to give you a few so you can go out and look together. Number one, just three little principles that I think help guide us. Part of our ministry of mercy is looking to share the burden of others. In Galatians chapter 6, if you're taking notes, note down Galatians 6, 2. Galatians 6, 2. The Bible says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You know, the poor carry heavy burdens. Those who are stuck and mired in poverty carry heavy burdens. And it seems to me that part of a ministry of mercy individually and as a church is to help take the one who is burdened in their poverty and in their difficulty and we go to that person and we help take and slide some of that burden onto us. So guess what? There are times in our ministry of mercy that it becomes difficult for us because we're helping to shoulder the load. It's sometimes sacrificial and it's sometimes costly, but I think that's part of what God would call us to. God is calling me to. Jonathan Edwards has some great things. I think next week I'll share those with you, some great thoughts about it, because this is not just a modern response to poverty or an understanding how to engage with mercy. So number one is to share, seek the Lord and ask Him how you can better share the burden of others when God presents them to you. Okay? That's the question I'm asking myself. Number two is discerning the call. In a similar way, I think, we are all called to bear witness to the goodness of God in our lives. Some people are gifted specifically with the, uh, the spiritual gift of helps. So while we... Uh, let me say it this way. 
We are all, um, in the same way, we're all called to bear witness to God. Some are gifted very specifically with evangelism, and they have a deep desire and many opportunities and a great fervency for uh, evangelizing other people. In a similar way, the idea of mercy, I think we're all called, as God provides opportunities, to extend mercy. It's just part of our Christian life. It just is. But there are some, like in Romans 12, 8, it describes some who are gifted particularly for acts of service. At Paul, in his description of some of the, the spiritual gifts, he says this, So in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in his proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. So some, while we're all called to mercy, there are some, I think, who are particularly gifted in this way. They are gifted with a greater desire and perhaps a greater ability and more opportunities to engage in this sort of service. But it's learning to discern your call and to engage in the general call of mercy giving. So sharing the burden, discerning the call and the opportunities ahead of you. And number three... And again, I know we're just scratching the surface. It's learning to prioritize your responsibilities. Because the Bible has a lot to say in this area. And I think, I think the Bible is pretty clear that our first responsibilities of, of extending mercy start at home and then within the church. Those are the first levels of our supporting and caring and extending Christian love. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. The Bible says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. But then also within the church, we are called in several different ways. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 is one of them. It says this, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, no compassion on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. So, learning to prioritize our responsibilities, and along the way, uh, knowing that uh, we don't give beyond so that suddenly, beyond our ability, so that suddenly we become a burden somehow to others. The Bible says uh, we also look to outsiders, and again, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So we are to focus first and especially on those within the church. And then we also, we don't put limits on our uh, serving and sharing outside. We are in the process, we as a church are in the process of connecting with a couple of other families who are part of churches up in the Sonoma area who have lost so much because of the wildfires and uh, we're trying to connect to know how we can serve some of their needs. And I want to invite you, if you are aware of people, maybe you have personal relationships with those who are continuing to rebuild their lives and um, we could take some of that which you have generously contributed uh, to find ways to sharing with them so that, like with Joanne, perhaps some of the, the ministry of mercy through the church can go through your hands and through your love so that you can both give to meet a need and also 
uh, point them to the Lord Jesus and communicate the gospel. So we would love either let Meg, our deacon chair, know or share it with one of um, the ministry staff, and we'll be happy to talk with you and learn more about that particular need. I better stop. Um, I don't know if you've been punched in the face today, and if so, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm going to let the Lord do what He wants to do in you, but I, I do hope that, um, that this would be a word of encouragement, that it would spur you and help you uh, evaluate your life and our church's life, and that together we might move forward engaging in merciful acts because God is a merciful God. Living Lord, this is part of what we desire and long to do and to be and to become more of. Are people engaged in the real needs of real people? And I know that there's so many other parts and facets to this, but God, I hope for me and for us that if, if we're going to make mistakes, and we will, we're not going to get it all right all the time, but God, help us, help me, if we're going to make mistakes, help us to err on the side of generosity. Speak to us, we pray. Not just in this moment, but in the days and hours to come. God, we're not, we're not really followers if we're not people who really listen and engage with You in a regular way in the ongoing parts of our life. God, we are surrounded by opportunities, so give us wisdom. Help us to be people who live in submission to Your Word and to let You shape us through it. Jesus, we want to be more like You in every facet of our life, certainly in this way of mercy. Because we know that the law teacher asking Jesus the question, he knew that the one who was the neighbor to the man hurting was the one who had mercy on him. And so Jesus, help us like that Samaritan in this example. Help us to go and do likewise. We pray it, Jesus, in your name and for your sake. Amen. Amen. You have one last song. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to sing that together. And uh, I just want to open these steps up to you. Perhaps these, uh, this is an inviting space for you. If you want to come and just have a moment to pray, maybe this could become for you an altar of prayer um, for you to do whatever business perhaps you need to do in this moment. Not for